On this episode of A Little Cerebral, we talk about how to get services. And Natalie talks about OT services. Right, Natalie? Yes, I do. But more so, we had a listener write in and ask if a parent is suspecting or caregiver is suspecting that there might be going something going on with the child and they don't even have a diagnosis yet. Like, what's the first step? Yeah, yeah. So we address that. So that's a lot of what we talk about. Yeah. And and you should know that this is the first time Matthew asked us to start recording intros to episodes. And we don't know what the hell we're doing. Like, we're just trying to remember. Yeah. Are you happy now, Matthew? Yeah. You happy, Matthew? You like our intro? Yeah. Jeez. Okay. That's our intro. Enjoy the show. Yeah, so we have Instagram. Yay us. Do you want to tell people about that? Yeah, we just started an Instagram account. Um, what is it? What to say about it? Oh, it's a little cerebral. Mm-hmm. And we have on there like clips from the some of our episodes. And we'll be mm-hmm. adding more clips. It's a work in progress. Pictures so. of our offices. I think that's pretty important. <laughs> we have a lot of pictures of Claire's office, not mine, because I was like moving around the country and I don't have any pictures of where I was working from. <laughs> Plus their secret, their secret locations, you know, yeah, that's just true. to protect my identity because I'm so popular. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to give away my location. Especially Although, my can I say that offices. we have, sorry. Um, so we actually have a video of you in your bird office, the outside porch office. That's so we actually on did, there. Yeah, so that's on there. So people can yeah. check out your porch office. Yeah, um, in case you're wondering how the, how the fancy people do it. <laughs> um, and we have a website, right? Work in progress? Yes, we have a website. Um, it's a littlecerebral.org. Yeah. We own a littlecerebral.com too, but we haven't figured out how to change stuff. So it's a little cerebral.org and it might be both .org and .com eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we technically have um, one up and running. Yeah. So we have a website. We have a Facebook page. Um, I think it's just a little cerebral if you look on Facebook. I go on there occasionally. I think I'm more in charge of the Facebook page and you're more in charge of the Instagram. Right? Yeah. Right. Okay. And, okay, so finally, we got some fan mail this week. Our first fan mail. Huge milestone for us. Um, from Matt. It wasn't even hate mail. It wasn't even love. hate mail. <laughs> which I think is what Claire texted me. We got real mail, and it wasn't hate mail. Oh, <laughs> did I say that? <laughs> I, think, I think something like that. I was like, cool. Yay. Um, okay, and this is from Matt, who is not Matthew. Unless it nice. is Matthew and just like Very creating Matthew. Yeah. Matthew, yeah. we know you Trying believe to in us. Puff you up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he just created a fake profile and he couldn't come up with a name. So he was like, oh, Matt, that's kind of different than Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like wrote us a fake letter <laughs> just to keep our spirits up. Anyways, we appreciate it. I think yeah. it's what we're trying to say. Yeah. Thanks, Matthew. Okay. Yeah. But, but Matt, who is not Matthew, um, sent us and um, uh, like for real he did uh, somebody really did send us fan mail and they have asked um, if we could talk use our platform to talk more about um, how to get help like if you know that you have a child with a disability or you suspect that like how do you start seeking services how do you start seeking evaluations how do you you know start seeking services at school what does that all look like what are some of the beneficial therapies 
Um, oh, I know. Can I, can I start? Yeah. Some you, you talk. Okay. Okay. So here's what I would do, Matt. Um, and anybody else, because I do think that's a really important question, right? Because you get a diagnosis and then you're like, okay, uh, or you suspect something and you're like, who do I go to? Um, I think a lot of what, what is really helpful for parents um, before they go anywhere is just to collect, honestly, collect some data on your child. Write down what behaviors you're seeing, when, because these are all going to be questions that you're going to be asked and they can help professionals like kind of determine what's going on. So if you already know the question, you know, the answers to a lot of these questions, you're going to go into like pediatric offices, you're going to go into other professionals really educated and knowing uh, like how to advocate for your kid, what the answers to all these questions are. And so um, collect some data. So that would be like, what behaviors do you, are you seeing that you're concerned about? When are they happening? Um, and then I also talk about or take note on, um, like, how is your child sleeping? How is your child eating? Um, and this is more also from, like, an occupational therapy standpoint, like, some things that I would want to know initially. Um, like, what's your child's diet? How are they sleeping? What's the sleep quality? Um, you know, what were they like as a baby? Um, like, did they have tummy time? Did you, when was the first time, time that you noticed something? Um, and is there a difference in their behavior between being at school and being at home? Um, and is there a pattern? So is it like, you know, my child always has a meltdown right after school or during transitions, or I just, I never know, or it's all always around homework. Um, so just take some data for like a week. And you can figure out some patterns. And that's honestly, it's going to be a little bit more work for you, but then it's going to take a week anyways to get into the pediatrics office. So usually I think the first place to turn is to get a pediatric appointment. Yeah. Um, and then from there, it's going to be kind of, it's going to kind of depend on what your pediatric doctor thinks. Um, but if you also go in informed in this area, so I'll tell you, what occupational therapy services can do uh, for you. So you could even then go in, if you feel like your child fits the mold for benefiting from occupational therapy services, then you can go in and be like, I think my child might need occupational therapy services. What do you think? Instead of going in and your doctors, the pediatric doctor is like, your child would benefit from, from OT services. And you're like, I have no idea what that even is. Um, so occupational therapy services uh, and Again, I'm just going to put like a disclaimer out there. There's a lot of different therapists that focus on a lot of different things. However, this is what occupational therapists for pediatrics should be focusing on to be effective, um, I think. So uh, one would be to help your child regulate. And with regulate, that means regulating emotion, um, like regulating attention, kind of like if you feel like you have a child who has like big emotions or too small emotions or big reactions or too small reactions. That's all a part of regulating. If you feel like your child has difficulty with sleep or, or um, has like a really narrow diet um, that can all be related to sensory processing. Um, you know, if your child has trouble with academics, it can also be related to occupational therapy because um, you know, what an occupational therapist would do is address uh, you know, the reflexes that really set the foundational baseline for developing skills upon which everything's built up so that then your child can write. Um, and even like, you know, difficulties in, in social areas could be related to like regulation or poor confidence that comes from 
difficulty processing information. So um, that's a lot of what occupational therapists do, or you feel like, you know, there, your child's more sensitive to the environment. Like I said, that's the same thing with like a type of regulation, right? Like they're more sensitive to the environment or they're not reacting to the environment or um, like they're jumping off from high places. They have no concern with safety or they're like kind of running in front of cars or they're impulsive, whatever. That can all be related to occupational therapy. Great. Do you want to say what your services do as well and how that can help? Ooh. Um, well, let me say, let me say one thing actually first. Um, so Ooh, I also no can do these. It's <laughs> like where do I start? Um, but I was gonna say, OT in schools often looks different than in yeah. other settings. So I just want to point this out because there might be some people who have OT services, um, occupational therapy services on their kids' individualized education plan mm-hmm. or IEP, and a lot of times that's gonna look more like handwriting. That's gonna look like more like, you know, grasping a pencil. If you're lucky, you might have like a, a OT and an OT who understands a lot of the stuff that Natalie's talking about. And I feel like, you know, really good schools have um, like sensory rooms and have OTs that help direct what that should look like for each child. So it's not just like sensory break. Uh, I don't know, go jump on this thing. It's more like, okay, well, they probably need this. So this kid, when they're taking breaks and they need sensory breaks, they're going to do this because this is what's best for their profile. Um, So I would say, like, just know that that sensory services um, often do not happen in a school setting. But if you're lucky, they might. And even if you don't have a sensory room, I've worked with, like, lots of OTs who are really, like, uh, they're trained in a lot more, they, they make an effort to do a lot more sensory type work with kids because they understand how that's affecting the behaviors at school. So there might be adaptive stuff in the classroom. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is good to note because a lot of times OT services in school are, are just limited just by the, mm-hmm. the way that they're set up. Like a lot of OTs only have maybe 30 minutes for each child a week. Mm-hmm. And um, the goals just often need to be kind of under the subset of what they're doing in school. So it just, mm-hmm. sometimes it just can't be as expansive of, as what you can do mm-hmm. in like a private practice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also in a private practice, you know, your occupational therapist should also help support parents and caregivers with supporting the child in the home too, with whatever you're yeah. working on. Okay. So that's like typically what I do first. Um, Another thing that personally I do, which I think is really helpful, is, again, take data on, and I said this, but even more so, take data on what your child's eating um, for every meal because I always recommend that children see a nutritionist because a lot of times when I see children who have any sort of processing disorders, I feel like the way that they eat and what they're eating is also impacted. And so I think it's, you know, always worth checking out, you know, like what is their gut microbiome like and do they have the good bacteria in there and this all these things that you know uh registered uh, re- nutrition can check out for you in determining if they have food sensitivities because all of those pieces can kind of play into again that foundational baseline so that's not my area i refer out for that and i also personally refer to um a chiropractor as well to make sure that the structure is aligned so that there's no impingement on the nervous system. So the gut basically is a huge producer of neurotransmitters that you need for efe- efficient processing. 
And structurally, if there's an impingement on the nervous system, I think that that can also impact uh, processing as well. So I clear up those two things first, and then I do my services. Good. That's really helpful. I'm sure Matt's like, ugh, great. (laughs) Anyways, that's that. That's what I I recommend. I actually think we probably need to do several episodes on this because we probably need to get several perspectives. So there is also something called um, Child Find. And so you have birth Mm -hmm. to three services that, um, so I'll give an example. So my youngest son, um, he was adopted at 19 months. And so I knew he had delays already in South Korea because those were documented. Um, And that's really important because if you don't have that documented, sometimes people say, well, you know, the language issue is that, you know, they are speaking another language, which is legitimate. I mean, that's legitimate. But if you can have some documentation about what their language is like in their country of origin, now you have, now you can kind of have a documented speech delay. And he had way more going on than that. But, um, so anyway, but he received services for speech for birth to three. And we went through the school district that we lived in at the time. Um, they did, um, like, transdisciplinary play-based assessment, which is what a lot of people do. And you have all these different people, OT speech, um, teacher, but like for little guys and psychologist um, often, or social worker evaluating all these different areas of functioning. And then you can qualify for services through that. But usually those services are people who go into your home or like for my son, they also went into daycare. Um, And it's a completely different model in terms of partnering with families than IEP land. And once a kid is three, then they start qualifying potentially for an individualized education plan. And that's preschool and getting preschool services. So you can also talk to your Well, I don't think that is, is child find, um, is that national? Yeah. I don't think they have yeah, that in really, they do have yeah. it here. Yeah. 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 Okay. They have it. It's everywhere okay. in the United States. Um, and so, but so a lot of the services are provided not through the school district for birth to three. That's all like through other agencies, but then it, um, but I think often the evaluation happens within the school district. This is honestly not my area of expertise. I actually think we should interview somebody to get a lot more accurate details. And I know somebody who could do that. So, um, I think we should talk about that and then talk about like child find actually extends beyond birth to three and is considered an obligation throughout K-12. Right. And well, actually I would say, preschool through 12. It's considered an obligation. Um, and so that's, that gets a little more complex, but you know, so that's kind of like talking to your pediatrician about that is, or talking to your local school district, calling and say, I want to talk to birth to three services, or I want to talk to preschool evaluations. That might be one place to go. That should be pretty standardized across the country. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can talk about what I do another time because it's like it's pretty broad. There's like evaluations, there's therapy, can there's you different just kinds see, of therapy. Like, why would somebody seek a psychologist? Oh, like, lots of different reasons for kids. You mean? Yeah. So, like to follow up on, with Matt's question, like you can see okay. an occupational therapist. You mm-hmm. can see, like, how would a psychologist just like generally help? Like, if he's yeah. wondering if his child might qualify or it might well, be helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I would say is a lot of people turn to psychologists to get evaluations. And so there are some terms, neuropsych eval is thrown around and, you know, that's a specialized kind of testing that's going to look at 
how the brain is functioning, um, and, and it's going to look at discrete areas um, of functioning to how they contribute to learning overall or neurodevelopmental disorders like ADHD, intellectual disability, or autism. Um, but not all people who do neuropsych evals are neuropsychologists. So that's, that's just something to know. Personally, I would say if you have a little, if, it, if your kid is younger, right? Like I would say if they're seven or younger, um, I would try to find a transdisciplinary evaluation. Like for example, Children's Hospital in Colorado down in Aurora is like, they have a very long wait list for evaluations. And my son is on it actually. But part of the reason we're doing that wait list is because I would like him evaluated not just by a neuropsychologist, I want a speech therapist looking at him and I want an OT looking at him. And I want us to consider other medical issues that could be contributing, like something genetic. Um, and so I think having that comprehensive approach is really good um, for somebody. I would say like, I, I'm just kind of making this up, but I would say second grade and younger, certainly five and under for sure, or even six and under, but I would even say maybe second grade and younger. Um, Okay, so you would be helpful for somebody to do some testing? Yeah, I do testing. Okay. And yeah. then you would also provide... <laughs> I will give you the non-ADHD version. I will give you the condensed version, which would be you can provide evaluations. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, for a diagnosis you can provide more like top-down solutions for both the child and the parent. And that would include like how to think about perhaps regulation, how to think about kind of like what's going on and just helping a child become more aware of both their surroundings and their actions and to also support parents around any behavior that isn't working. Yes. And I want to add something here, though, because I think if you're getting an evaluation from a psychologist, you want to ask what their training is. So mm -hmm. if somebody was like, well, yeah. you know, like I've worked with kids who have autism, like, you know, I had a couple clients, you know, um, you really want to right. find out what their training is and where they learned, like, you know, to do the particular tests that they're doing. Um, so you, that there's like a level of competence. That's like um, any professional. Yeah. yeah. Just making sure that they actually know what the heck they're talking about, right? Yes. And I would also say same thing for ADHD and autism or intellectual disability. If you're like, okay, well, I'm going to take them and they're going to get like play therapy. Well, like what's the goal of play therapy, right? What are you trying to accomplish? I'll mm -hmm. say, I think play, ther play therapy is great because I want to, I wanted to address this because I've seen this happen a lot. So people go for play therapy and there's different kinds. And essentially if it's something like divorce, if it's situational trauma, yes, please play therapy. Sounds great. Um, if it's ADHD or autism, no, unless you're dealing with a divorce and you happen to have ADHD, right? And you're not just talking about working around skill deficits with ADHD. So you want somebody who's mm -hmm. trained in that. And yeah. I, like the way I approach it is what are the skill deficits and how do we build those up? And then how is that affecting everyday life? And we process that and we process it right. in a way that makes sense for their disability. Um, so that's, I think also an important distinction. And I will say for me, if I'm going to have effectiveness with a kid, the parents have to be engaged and they, I actually have them sign an agreement that they'll meet with me every few weeks yeah. and that they'll do, that right. they will like guide the kid in the things that they're working on. So they always know about the homework because otherwise all you're doing is working in a therapy office and you're not generalizing those skills outside. If yeah. you want to have generalization of skills, frequent repetitive practice 
Um, and a lot of that is those teachable moments. And so that's how you build those new neural pathways is frequent repetitive practice. You're not going to get that if you're only doing it in therapy. It really has to be um, utilized across all the environments, including challenging environments. Right. So I think a couple points there are, um, right, like your, your services, just make sure that you have a psychologist and a professional who um, like basically knows their stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and then for play therapists, I think just make sure that your child is a good candidate for play therapy. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that would be having like the trauma or something that they need to work through. Um, but I do see that a lot where parents are referred to play therapists and they do make some progress, but then oftentimes from my own personal experience, what parents have told me, what I've seen kids do when they go into play therapy is they'll make a little progress and then they plateau. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to like talk badly about play therapists because there are some really talented play therapists out there. Totally. It's just that me neither. Like, but I there's think some it can really just bad be, like <laughs> a little bit over prescribed for yes, the type. Totally. And I think there's right. I think you just need to find somebody who is really skilled. So Yeah. And, and, and you need to ask, like, is this directed or non-directed? How come it's non-directed? Why, right. for my particular child, why is that a good fit? And if they can't answer let's those questions. Let's do an questions, episode on this too. Okay, yeah, like to let's ask. do that. Yeah, 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 okay. let's do that. Okay, um, I don't really have anything else about my job. Okay, so <laughs> the first thing you're going to do, I'm going to just be the summarizing queen Thanks. here. Yeah, you're welcome. Do it. Um, is you're going to take some data on your child for a week or like five, five to seven days. Yeah. Then you're going to schedule or you could schedule a pediatric appointment before then because um, it will take some time. Go in with your data and your questions and, um, you know, you can advocate for I think my child has a difficulty with regulating, for example. And I think that perhaps occupational therapists or therapy services might be beneficial. What are your thoughts? Here's what I'm seeing. Um, and then you have everything and your pediatric doctor should be able to ask questions back to you and be concerned. And if your doctor is not, I would recommend switching to a different doctor. Or just get a second um, opinion. Or get a second opinion. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's kind of where, where I would start. And yeah. then the other services that I recommend that just personally are a more holistic approach. And this isn't everybody's, but I recommend a nutritionist and a chiropractor as well. Okay. And then I would say also contact your local school district and ask about child find, because even if it's not happening in that particular building, they can help you figure out like birth to three services or mm -hmm. three and over and what that would look like. Cause that, that system is a completely separate system than the medical system. And so like yeah. that way you're kind of being comprehensive. Um, right. I actually wanted to, along with the data, I think video, I think if people can take videos of the behavior in a way that's yes, not like please making the situation worse. Yeah. They've been, I always like, they've been so videos. valuable. Yeah. I always ask for videos. As soon as you find, or you're like, gosh, I don't know what to do. Is this normal? Is this not normal? Please, please take a video. And what's cool about Matt even asking this is that we're in the process of um, kind of like creating a program and services that can be helpful in terms of consultation and support for parents, kind of like Matthew, who are like, I don't know where to turn first, second, third, I don't know what to do. Is this normal? Is this not normal? Um, and helping, you know, parents kind of like remotely, or if they're on a, they get on a wait list, let's say you get into a hospital and the wait list is like six months, which is just kind of typical. And you want to be empowered to do something now to help support, for example, with regulation, 
we are developing uh, just like services to help support support that. Now it's different from like direct services. It's different mm-hmm. from like one-on-one services. It's more of consultation and support. However, it, I think it can be, you know, helpful as a starting place, as a place to just turn to get your feet wet and then, you know, go on to a therapist in your area for more one-on-one support, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I want to like, again, I want to emphasize it's not direct services. Like we're not going to be your kid's therapist with this program. It's more like, here right. are some questions to ask. Here are some Maybe try these strategies. Maybe ask these questions of people near you. Why are you considering this particular provider? Maybe also consider this, that sort of thing. So consultation. Yeah. 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 I think that also, though, from um, like a therapy standpoint with regards to that, too, there's a little bit more that we can do in terms of helping with like a home program if it's related to regulation. Yeah, I have to be careful because, um, so I'm licensed in two states, but there is now a program because of teletherapy where there's like um, this interstate compact. And so I'm in the process of getting that and then I can be able to do things in those other states, Um, Mm -hmm. but only in those other states because I ethically, um, there's a whole thing about where you provide psychological services. So, yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? No. Okay. I don't think so. All right. No, I think this is good. I think, like, let's just keep this episode to answering Matt's question, because there's kind of, like, Mm -hmm. a lot there, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is helpful. And I also think that in previous episodes, we've talked about uh, having, like, emotional support when you do get a diagnosis. And so Mm -hmm. even if you suspect something, whether it's sort of, like, what you view as a big diagnosis or not a like a minor diagnosis, or you can't even think of a diagnosis and you're like, the only one I know of maybe is like autism and I don't know anything else. Um, So if you, for example, go to the pediatric doctor and they're like, you know, your child might have sensory processing disorder and you're like, great, I have no idea what that is. I've never heard of it. Like, what does that mean? Just having emotional support when you go in Um, and making sure that you have kind of like resources or people or professionals you can turn to to help answer your questions and become educated on whatever diagnosis it is. And you yeah. can also turn to us. Like you can email us. Yeah. That's and we, and we like getting, um, we like getting messages like the one we got from Matt because it helps us to make this um, podcast better, right? Like it helps us to figure out other directions or things we're missing. I think it's good. Um, so you can contact us at a little cerebral at gmail.com. Uh, mm-hmm. you can view, uh, our offices currently on Instagram. <laughs> uh, yes. you can, you can get updates on the episodes and not a lot of pictures cause I haven't done much with our Facebook page cause Facebook kind of drives me crazy. Um, like I'm Facebook. fucking Facebook. Um, but, but, uh, you know, it's important to have, so we have Facebook, um, <laughs> it's and, important to have, we will hate it. We probably won't do that much with it, but you can yeah. be there. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. What I'd really like is like people's rants. Can I, um, can I hear more rants on Facebook? Cause I'm not getting enough rants. Mm, yes. That's so interesting. <laughs> hey, can I have like, can I have more simplistic memes about political issues? Like really reduce it to the most base and simplistic way that you can find that completely like disregards the nuances of situations. Can I have more of those on Facebook? I'm not getting enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if you can. I just don't know. I don't know. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Well, I guess that's it. Uh, Thank you, Matt, again for your Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let us know if it was helpful. 
Sorry, I was just interrupting. Yeah, I was doing thanks, thanks Matt. Matt in quotation marks. We know it was you, Matthew. We do. Uh, <laughs> we're on to your secrets. But thanks for believing in us. Matt's like, so I was going to listen to this podcast and now I'm not. One less listener. Damn it. Okay. Well, goodbye for real. Yes. Goodbye for real. Thank okay, you. Bye-bye. Yep. Goodbye. Bye.